Hi, everybody. Today, I am interviewing my friend Cheryl Foudere, who is a registered midwife, certified homeopath, and an integrative health coach with focus on the childbearing year. She's a practicing midwife who has empowered hundreds of clients throughout their pregnancy, their birth, and the first year postpartum. Her signature brand, Your Thriving Pregnancy, is helping to make midwifery mainstream by bringing pregnant moms and women together so that clients discover their innate power and confidence, flourish through every transition, and celebrate changes with a community. You're listening to Your Body Advocate, telling your body's side of the story. The podcast dedicated to supporting and improving your body-mind connection so you can live a pain-free, passion-filled life, dissolving one body tension at a time. Discover the healing properties of your own body language, and together, let's explore ways to support and improve essential self-talk. Now, here's your host, Master of Encouragement and Body-Mind Life Coach, Ruth Cummings. for a second interview. This time we're going to talk about homeopathy. Hello, Cheryl. So tell me what education do you have? See, for me, I was brought up on homeopathy and we call them a homeopath. So homeopathic physician, but tell me about your education. Cause I know you have a lot. Yeah. Thanks so much Ruth for having me. And I think, I think your um, listeners are going to find this really educational. I, I love talking about homeopathy. So yeah. Yay. Me too. Can't wait. Yeah, it's, and it's so cool that you were brought up on it. Um, you know, I hear that from a lot of people and, and yet it's still such a mysterious medicine that people don't really understand or know a lot about. Um, Agreed. So my educational background, um, I worked, well, let me start out. So I have been a vegetarian and I went vegan in 2002. And with that, many people asked me lots of questions about my health and, um, you know, how I was going to take care of myself as a vegan. And so that really got me set on a path of learning a lot about nutrition, um, supplements, um, herbs were very interesting to me. And, you know, along this journey as a young adult, I then um, applied to work at a health food store. I was a cashier for a couple months and then they had a position open in the vitamin department and I applied for that position. 10 other people also applied and somehow I got the position because I was so passionate and like I had only self-studied. I had just read a lot of articles and, you know, I was just really interested in what herbs and supplements could do for the body. Um, so I got hired. And working in the health food department was awesome because I learned so much more. I got a deeper understanding of all the, these modalities and how nutrition and everything play together. And when somebody would come to me and say a word, do you have any, like a podium? And I had no idea what they just said out of their mouth. I'd be like, let's go look at those little blue bottles over here because <laughs> You just said some word that does not exist in my brain. <laughs> and so we would go look at the blue bottles and there was a book and I would like read about 
the different remedies and it was all very um, mysterious and foreign to me, but people loved it. And so when I moved to Colorado, there was a homeopathic school here. And I was like, you know what? Because that's the thing that I know the least about. I want to know more about that. <laughs> and so uh, I enrolled at a two-year certificate program um, for homeopathy. Um, we did, it was partial in-person and partial self-study at home. Um, I don't think they sent us home with VHS. I don't think it was that old. I think they had transferred them to CDs. But I came home with like a DVD that I had to watch. <laughs> um you're aging yourself i know <laughs> but i, I remember those though i know right she yeah and that's just what we did and then we met monthly in person and we had uh teachers that evaluated our work and stuff like that like just like a normal school um and yeah i got a really awesome education about homeopathy and it was I love it. It's just such, um, it's actually a very precise medicine. And so, yeah, I'd love to talk more about that. Um, Great. Yeah. yeah. Well, my experience with homeopathy changed my life because I, I'm in, in, in today's words, I'm ADHD, but in the years that I was growing up and I was also in Europe growing up. So, um, they had homeopathy, but they didn't want to admit um, an ADHD type of uh, factor. Instead, it was um, everything was about Ritalin. And if you were hyperactive, then Ritalin was the answer. And my mom, uh, you know, thanks, mom, was a was absolutely against that idea and wanted to look at alternative, uh, you know, um, opportunities. And for me, so what was happening is I, I was very hyperactive to the point where, um, it was really annoying to be around me. And I had, I would tap my hands and my fingers and I would move really fast. My nose was always stuffy. So it always go all the time. And it bothered my very, very calm dad. <laughs> so to bother him, you knew that it was, it was hard. So I couldn't, um, it's hard for me to listen, hard for me to, to learn. And um, it was just, and also I couldn't stretch enough. So I was always uncomfortable. My muscles were sore and just always uncomfortable in my body. And um, so we found a homeopath in Albuquerque. His name's Carl Robinson. Shout out to him. He's amazing. And he over, I think we had four trial and errors and he asked me, as you know, in homeopathy, they probably asked me 200 questions every time I saw him and questions that you just don't think about in Western medicine. I remember one of my favorite questions. He was like, what? He said, do you like to sit in a car in the summer without rolling the windows down? And my answer was yes. You know, I, I don't mind sitting in the heat. And um, so my sh short story for this is that he gave me a remedy, the the next day in school. So this was on a Saturday on Monday morning. Um, the school called my parents saying, you know, what did you do? I, she's sitting still. I can read her writing. She's listening to what we're doing. Um, you know, it's like a total transformation of personality. And my nose was, was clean for the first time. And it was in the summer. I jumped into a pool and almost drowned because I didn't know to hold my nose <laughs> closed. 
So I immediately waters went up my nose and I had to, it was a deep dive. And so like, it was really scary, but so that's how immediate homeopathy helped me. And then I use it with all my athletes. Um, I've been using it with teams that I coach and the teams that I coach, certain teams have zero injuries when we use some Arnica, Roostox and Ruta. Um, and I use that in my practice. It's in all of my, my, um, so Arnica, sorry, everybody. Arnica is for any type of, um, soft tissue injury. Then there's Rutagrava that's for ligament injury and Roostox is for tendon injury. There's also Hypericum, which is for nerve injury and Symphytum for me is for uh, bone healing. So those are the main ones that I use as a physical, uh, issue, but in my family, also Cheryl, we use Ignatia for, um, grief and emotional upset. So those are the main ones that I use besides the kits that we have. So there's my little story. I have a lot of them, but that's my main one. And um, yeah, I just wanted as a homeopath, it's just so fascinating. I did go into homeopathy school, um, but found out I was pregnant on um, the day before 9-11 and I was in school and then it just wasn't my path. It wasn't my path. So I'm talking to you now and other homeopaths to help the world. I wish that we would all just work together. And if homeopathy could be added ah, to medicine, it would so be, it would just be lovely. That's, I would, that's a definitely something I pray for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, oh, there's two really <laughs> amazing trails I want to go down. Um, I think I'll start with the first one. Did you know that homeopathy was actually very, very popular here in the United States in the late 1800s. It was the medicine. That's a rabbit hole. Yeah. That is a rabbit hole that, um, it involves a lot, doesn't it? Yes. I do know. And, and the people who stopped it and the people who stopped a lot of things that were good for people and the, the healing of cancer and the healing of many things. Um, yeah, well, tell me more about that, that, you know, yeah, sure. I'll just, I'll share a couple quick uh, tidbits for your listeners that, um, you know, homeopathy was the medicine of choice um, because it was so successful in helping with ec- epidemics, um, you know, cholera and um, measles and, you know, rubella and things like that, smallpox. And so when, um, settlers were traveling through the United States, they would bring their homeopathic kit and they would have a book. And that was, like I said, that was the medicine of choice. Um, The American Homeopathic Institute was founded in 1844. (laughs) And in direct opposition to that, the American Medical Association, um, which you may recognize that association, um, was formed in 1846. So two years after the homeopathic institution was formed, the American Medical Association was formed, and they were formed with the direct um, desire to eliminate homeopathy. Um, They had all kinds of rules about being a doctor and even associating with a homeopath. There's a famous story of a medical doctor, which if you were, you were only allowed to be a medical doctor if you were a white male. there are a few instances of um, African-Americans and other folks like crawling their way into the medical field. Um, 
But for the most part, white males were the only ones allowed to be in that field. Uh, but with homeopathy, um, you know, lay people were using it, you know, so to become a physician in homeopathy was actually a more direct route for, for many people, um, women and uh, African-Americans um, and, and lay people could, could all use homeopathy. And so um, the American Medical Association did not want you, the medical doctors to even associate, and there's a, sorry, there's a story that, um, that, the, that a medical doctor's wife was the one who was using homeopathy, and he got barred from the AMA because his wife, because he associated with a homeopath. And so that's how, like, um, vehemently they were opposing homeopathy and going after it. Um, and at the turn of the century in the early 1900s, um, homeopathy was still a very common, commonly used medicine. Um, essentially, with the discovery of penicillin, um, that became the panacea and the miracle drug. Um, because homeopathy takes time. It takes a little bit of effort. It takes, you know, doctor's time to sit and talk to somebody and find out what their symptoms are. Like you said, your homeopathic physician asks you 200 questions at every visit. You know, it takes some effort to find out the person's individualized care. And um, so by the early 1920s, uh, the United States um, had pretty much dwindled down to about four or five uh, homeopathic colleges, whereas before there was like 100 and something. Um, even the Philadelphia Medical College used to be the Philadelphia Homeopathic Medical College. It, you know, it's got strong, strong ties. <laughs> so I, I sad, love that. It? It, it's, it's really, you know, I. <sighs> Given all the problems that we have in our society with anxiety, depression, heart problems, diabetes, uh, you know, on and on. We know the, the stats between America and the rest of the world and the rest of the world uses other things. They use homeopathy. They use Ayurveda. They use, yeah. um, you know, acupuncture and acupressure and um, we're, and we, you know, there's this, that's a whole rabbit hole. Sorry. So no, great. I, yeah. I'm, that's why I really wanted you to talk about homeopathy in the, in the, in the home, like, because we have options and when people are feeling lost and alone and like they're, they're not supported by the medical community to recognize that the medical community is everybody around us. Like there's so many people that want to help and love is part of that. And for my, you know, for my family, like God is part of that. And there's, there's things around us that um, like homeopathy that are so powerful and I have experienced it personally. And, um, and I just hope to spread that. So like, yeah, how could you, so if, if someone, someone listening, cause a lot of my friends don't know anything about homeopathy, except what I've heard, take this, what I've uh, suggested, you know, so how can they use it in their house? How can they just start right away? You know, to what, what can we give them today? Do you think Cheryl? Cause I mean, I could talk to you about the history. I would love to do that again too. I'm, I'm writing that down in our notes because <laughs> it's important to, to know these these derailments of things that were working that, that, um, that western medicine and the a the ama kind of derailed so many things that were helpful for humans 
for the wrong reasons. And the if they had been for the right reasons, it, it would be different, but it's not, it wasn't for the right reasons. Um, it was for greed and different reasons that I, um, I think we can, what if we can course correct, you know, what if we can bring back and I would love to uh, just have people think about it just as an opportunity, as a, as a possibility. So as a family and my, you know, my listeners, what can they do to bring homeopathy into their world? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would definitely suggest uh, getting a homeopathic book. So there are some really great, um, like, uh, homeopathic books that could be used for the home. Um, usually they are more framed towards our Western mindset. So they'll be grouped into sections like cough, and then it'll have like, uh, 12 different remedies that can be used for cough. And then it'll have like, okay, what is the person, you know, is the cough a dry cough or a wet cough? Are they better in the morning or the night? Are they worse, you know, at 12 PM or like, you know, so there's different questions and it kind of takes you through, you know, things that you might look at with your kids or your pets or yourself. It, I think it's hardest to do yourself, but, <laughs> um, you know, looking at it with like my pets are my best patients because they, they don't fake it. They, they just experience what they're experiencing. And, you know, um, when they're experiencing their symptoms, I can really take each of their symptoms and look for a remedy that matches those symptoms. Um, so getting a really good book and then either starting with a very common homeopathic remedy like Arnica, you mentioned. Arnica is sort of the king of homeopathy because um, Arnica is this beautiful mountain plant. It grows here in the Rocky Mountains. Um, it is a native American. Um, a native plant here, and um, it helps reduce swelling, inflammation, bruising, um, and injuries to soft tissues. And most mammals, when they are first um, harmed, you know, in an injury, that is the remedy that they need first. So, you know, one time my dog ran into a picnic table and I was like, Arnica, (laughs) you know, one time I tripped on a trail and I was like, Arnica. (laughs) So maybe I'll need something later down the road to help finish healing. Um, But Arnica is that immediate first injury. Give, you know, if somebody gets, you know, that egg, uh, (laughs) you know, bonked on the head or. He would turn out, you Yeah, if they get anything like that, then give them Arnica right away. It's a great remedy to start with. Um, I'm going to use your name, the king of homeopathy. I think I'm going to make a blog post and a podcast just on that. King of homeopathy. That's a great name for Arnica. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Well, the king is uh, Arnica and then the queen is Hypericum. Yeah. Because she's, Hypericum is all about nerves. you know, and healing, you know, little kids get their hand in the door, you give, you give her Arnica, but then you can also give them Hypericum to help with those nerve endings that get traumatized. So, um, so yeah, that's my one tip is to get a good book and then also to get um, Arnica at least and put Arnica wherever you travel, put it in your car, put it in your pocket, put it in your bag, (laughs) 
keep keep one on you at all times. <laughs> Would you say like I guess we could we could create for people today um, maybe the top ten remedies they could keep at home? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, you named some of them um, for athletes in particular, but you know, having some common remedies on hand um, can really help enhance your use of them. So when I was in midwifery school, I actually did some research for my final um, bachelor's project. I did a survey that surveyed midwives, and this goes for the general population too. But I surveyed midwives about their use and their um, belief of homeopathy. Um, I do have to say, I'm going to use the word belief, but you don't have to believe in homeopathy for it to work. Um, it works on my animals. And when I have not had the right remedy, it did not work. <laughs> Even if I really wanted it to, it did not work. So um, you really have to have the right remedy. But um, if, if, my, if the midwives in the survey used homeopathy, then they would have a correlation that they also believed that it worked because they were using it, even if you get it wrong sometimes and it's not the right remedy, you know, you don't quite solve your kid's cough or your kid's cold um, with that first remedy you give. Um, the thing about it is it's so safe and gentle that it you can try a new remedy and see how that helps. Um, and so, you know, your story is like a perfect example because, you know, that homeopath, needed four appointments in order to narrow down and really hone in on that right remedy that resolved all your issues. You know, Ritalin, this was another thing I wanted to point out that I think your listeners are going to find fascinating. Ritalin is a pharmaceutical medicine that is actually used in a homeopathic way. So let me repeat that. Ritalin is a pharmaceutical medicine that is used in a homeopathic way. And explaining that is when somebody has hyperactivity, they would give them Ritalin, which would um, potentially help them slow down and focus and stay on task. It wouldn't have resolved the stuffy nose. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have lasted very long, but that's what that particular pharmaceutical was meant to do. Now, if somebody doesn't have hyperactivity and they take Ritalin, it can make them more hyper. It can make them more energetic, more unfocused, more, you know, um, hyper, essentially. <laughs> I'm like, how else is hyper displayed? So that is, they actually found a pharmaceutical medicine that is a like cures like. And if you've ever studied anything with homeopathy, you've probably heard that term, but it's taking something that can cause symptoms in somebody who doesn't have that problem. Like I said, so if somebody who doesn't have that hyperactivity as part of their constitution takes it, they can become unfocused or hyperactive or things like that but somebody who has those symptoms already can take the medicine and it helps them become focused and you know, more relaxed or, or what have you. Um, and so they actually, it's actually a homeopathic pharmaceutical medicine, which I think is amazing and fascinating. <laughs> right. But and, but and 
it doesn't last very long. It has other side effects. Um, and it's a medicine that is given in too high of a dose. And so that's the other piece about homeopathy is that the dosing of the medicines are actually very, very minute. There are amazing scientists out in the world who are trying to figure out the big how does it happen. Um, and we don't necessarily understand how gravity happens. So even though we all know it does happen and it does work, we don't understand the how. And there are scientists out there who are trying to figure out the big how does homeopathy work, even though they are nanoparticles of minute doses. But like in your, you know, in your story, we have countless stories from, you know, almost 400 years of using homeopathy in the way that we're using it now. Um, of examples of it working and of it being very effective um, for lots of different things. And so um, I think that it's really interesting and fascinating that even though medicine doesn't, well, you know, they, they do everything they can to discredit it, even to the point where they will take research and eliminate it because it doesn't have 275 participants. It only had 258 or something like that. They'll say, well, it didn't have enough participants. What? <laughs> that is crazy talk. You guys do, you know, trials on very small participants all the time. And yet and when it, there's, there's extra there's scrutiny when it comes to homeopathy. Sorry. It's so interesting how, because it's, it's so helpful, but again, it's almost coming back to the greed where it's like, um, it, I mean, these remedies are so uh, cost-effective and, you know, again, it's about, I, un unfortunately, I think that's where, you know, if you follow the money that it's not, someone isn't going to make buku bucks, but if you use Ritalin, um, they'll make a lot of money. And um, I think that's really unfortunate. Yeah. So, and it's also environmentally effective. So, you know, I, I don't know what the constituents of Ritalin are, but we have decimated um, particular herbs and particular, um, you know, plants and chemicals and things like that to make certain pharmaceuticals. Um, and with homeopathy, um, even things that are, um, so I'll give an example. The homeopathic remedy Apis maleficia is from the honeybee, and it will take one honeybee to create hundreds of thousands of remedies for people to take. And so, like, the one honeybee out of, you know, to make that rather than, you know, destroying hundreds of thousands of hives of honeybees to make one medicine, it's the opposite. And so for an, from an environmental standpoint, you actually can make a ton of medicine from the one plant or, you know, a ton of medicine from the one animal secretion or that one, you know, insect um, or the one tissue sample. Um, even there are homeopathic remedies made from pharmaceuticals. And so it takes like a very low dose of that to make thousands and thousands of remedies that are safe and effective. It's just amazing to me. 
You know, um, talking about Apis, which is a total miracle uh, homeopathic remedy. My dad is a beekeeper oh. and my mom is allergic to bees. So through the years, I have seen it in action where instead of using an EpiPen or needing to run to the ER, when my mom starts to swell, taking four pills of Apis, you can see the swelling go back down. And without the Apis, she either needs an EpiPen or we need to get to an ER immediately. So we always have a lot of Apis around our house, but it is, it's so cost-effective and it's so effective. Like you can see it, you know, working. If you get stung by a bee, if you get um, bit by a, a, like a black widow, we live, well, you, I live in the desert. So there's a lot of black widows here and that's a very, it could be a deadly, uh, a deadly bite. You can see the swelling go down on, you know, um, ant bites. And so another one that we keep in our car and we keep in our house is Apis. I put it down on our list for, it's on our top 10 for sure. (laughs) Top 10. I mean, my dog got, um, I don't know if it was bit or stung by a yellow jacket. Um, and Um, she started getting swelling all over her stomach and I mm -hmm. gave her a dose of Apis and it was gone. No, no swelling, nothing like within, you know, five to 10 minutes. And which I think is really important to talk about too, is that if you're treating people at home or animals at home, you can usually see results when you have the right remedy pretty quickly. If you're treating something like a bee sting or, you know, a a trauma, like a accident or something like that, um, which then gives you the clue, okay, am I gonna go to the ER or not, right? Like your mom with the bee sting, okay, I'm going to take APIS. If I don't see results within the next three to five minutes, we're going to go in, you know, and use the F- yeah. or use an EpiPen, um, which are also ridiculously expensive. <laughs> right. I was just going to compare. If you can compare again, here's another one, like the Ritalin. If you compare um, an EpiPen price, which are in the 600s, I think right now, compared with a $6, 30 dose APIS bottle, um, again, it's the money, you know, the, if we actually said, Hey, you know, anybody who has an, an allergy to peanuts or these, you know, they're worried about the, um, uh, the legality, but still try it first. Even if it doesn't work, you can still do the EpiPen. You can still do the second one. You can do them together and it's not going to make it worse. It's either going to make it better or there's going to be no response. Mm-hmm. And, um, yes, I would, would you agree with that? I just need your, uh, your, uh, guidance. What would you say to that? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, my cat, he one time had this like weird medical emergency and, you know, I tried run a remedy. It wasn't the right one. I tried another one. It wasn't the right one. I like sat down and focused and was like, let me see, what is he doing? Okay. He's stumbling. His eyes are super dilated. He's startling easily. I looked it up. I found a remedy. I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. If I don't see any changes in the next five to 10 minutes, I'm going to go to the vet. And I knew what they would do at the vet. They'd start on IV fluids. They'd start running tests. They want to know what it is before they can treat. To me, I'm like, he's something's weird. You know, (laughs) he got into something. I don't, I don't know what it was. But like, whatever it was, he was going downhill fast. So I was like, okay, you know, I gave him the next remedy. I saw he immediately calmed down his eyes, like 
you know, like you see results and I gave it to him every five minutes for like an hour. Um, and I wound up not needing to go to the vet that day um, because the problem, whatever caused it, resolved. Right. <laughs> I'm what like, I? okay, I don't what know what I? it was, but he's, he's good now. So <laughs> one of my friends was getting ready for a wedding and he had warts on his feet and his to be wife hadn't seen them and he was worried about them and we sat down with a homeopathy book and we found uh, a remedy or two that might work and a couple weeks before his wedding he tried one and it didn't work he tried the next one and it worked i mean they were gone and that's another one like it, it does help um, a lot of things that we you know you don't get it burned off and then it just comes back like we're not solving the root problem and I, I do love that about homeopathy. It goes to the root. My mom was allergic to cats and to horses. So Carl Robinson, our, our homeopath, he came up with, they put some, um, I think, hair and boiled it and then made their own remedy. And my mom took a tenth of a tenth of a tenth of a tenth or something. I, I don't know the exact. And then she was able to be around horses and be around cats. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've just seen some amazing things. And I, I, um, I just, I agree with you, like, it's not talked about, you know, they take it off the market, any type of, it's like, it's a, um, in those years. And I guess today I haven't tried it like misinformation, you know, you don't want to, you know, say the wrong things, but these are things that, um, I think they're important for our society right now, especially when there's, it's harder to see a doctor and, and things aren't working. And, um, if you're in, if you have an injury, they're giving you, um, painkillers that we just, what is it? We, we use 99% of all the painkillers in the world, oh but we're God. only 3% of the population. So out of all painkillers that are created, you know, and, and, and especially with um, pro athletes and when they're, when they're in a lot of pain, um, we use it more than any other country. And I, I just, I'm, I'd, I'd like for us to look at some options. And I think homeopathy is definitely one of the, my top. Well, and our veterans, like, I mean, pain medicine is often prescribed, but there's other things that could be more supportive in that situation. And I think of, I mean, I think of those kind of pharmaceuticals and things like um, acute care, like, okay, yes, if I just had a cesarean surgery, or if I just had, you know, a major accident or something happened, yes, I do want to take some painkillers for an acute amount of time, which is like a short time. But then it's still my body that needs to finish the healing. And so what are ways to support my body um, in that healing? And homeopathy is one of those things. Um, you know, we talked about some of the others like acupuncture and I mean, even Reiki. I know that we could get a little bit more into, you know, other things, but Reiki um, is can be really healing depending on the situation. And you know, massage, I mean, gosh, body work and massage. And, um, yeah, I just did an interview with Sherry for tapping. Mm, so, yeah. you know, tapping another tapping. one. There's a lot of options in my, in the, in the, in the, in the podcast before this, that we did was, um, let me see if I can remember. So there's acupuncture, homeopathy, um, uh, yoga. Um, oh, I did, um, uh, bio, bio, biofeedback. And I haven't had anybody um, talk about that yet, but there's just other options. There's so many. Um, and I'm just happy to have you talk about you know, 
up a little bit. You were. Did you catch? I was. Yeah, sorry. It? I just I know, got a I, delay. I, I know. I, I I heard it. Sorry about that. Um, I bet my husband turned on something on the internet. Um, how? What's the basics of how we we just talked about it briefly about the likes versus like, but how does homeopathy? Um, how does homeopathy work in your opinion? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, there are some very smart scientists out in the world trying to figure out exactly like this nanoparticle situation. Um, <laughs> and I, sometimes I tell people, I'm like, well, what's the smallest particle in the universe? Like we actually can't define that right now. And, and the more we learn about, um, quantum physics, the more we learn about, uh, atoms and their behaviors, the more questions that come up. I mean, you know, just talk to the scientists in the, at Stern, right? Like they're right. like, well, now we don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, no, I mean, homeopathy, the way that I describe it and the way that I think about it is that before, when we have some kind of event happen, our bodies are doing its best to maintain homeostasis. And that might mean creating symptoms. And those symptoms are usually what we dislike the most. The stuffy nose, the hyperactivity, you know, what you were talking about in your story. Um, But that could be a watery eyes, runny nose, and reaction to a hay fever, something like that. Homeopathy tells your body, hey, pay attention to this thing. And then your body's like, oh, that thing is happening and then it can resolve it. So it sort of nudges your body into the direction of what needs to be resolved. Um, and, you know, the, the, the example of a watery eyes, a runny nose in response to hay fever, the homeopathic remedy um, uh, made out of onions. And so if you've ever cut onions before, then you know you get that watery eyes, runny nose. That is the like cures like aspect. So the onion and the homeopathic remedy made from onions, which is Allium Sipa, um, you know, Allium, if you've ever seen, if you're a gardener out there, <laughs> A-L-L-I-U-M, Allium Sipa, that is the homeopathic remedy that often helps with, you know, those allergies type of symptoms. Um, and so the way that I think about it is that your body creates the symptoms, trying to get rid of the offending action, like the, the pollen from the hay fever or the, um, you know, the injury. So it's creating swelling, which is a normal reaction to an injury. And then the homeopathy, homeopathy just comes along and says, hey, why don't we pay a, t- a little bit more attention to this watery eyes and runny nose? And then your body's like, oh, okay, I've paid enough attention to that. I can let that stop creating those symptoms. I mean, even things that are deeper, which I feel like this is a little controversial, (laughs) but even things that are deeper, like um, cancer, cancerous cells, those were normal cells that deviated from their normal protein production. And so they that cell deviated, it was a normal cell, it deviated, and it became overgrown, it became a cancerous tissue. And again, this is probably a little controversial. (laughs) I don't know if you might want to cut it out later, but like, 
our bodies basically created that. And so because our bodies created it, our bodies can also dissolve it. Given the I right totally tools. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe that tool is chemotherapy. So I don't want to like discount like medicine, but I also want to acknowledge that like our bodies created it. And so yes, chemotherapy and radiation might be that answer, but also maybe the answers include diet changes, um, mind, mindset, meditation, you know, changes, maybe it includes homeopathy, maybe it includes chiropractic, acupuncture, biofeedback, tapping, you know, like there's other things that might need to be included in healing something that your body accidentally created essentially. Right. Right. That's yeah, that's a, that's a whole, uh, that's a whole rabbit hole. I, I agree with that though, that, and I've seen, and, and where there's two people with the same type of cancer and they, they treat it differently. And if someone deals with like the deeper issues with them, their spirituality, their own anger, and they either do or don't do the chemo or the, or the, the radiation, but if they dig deep and they heal the deeper stuff, then their body like starts to come alive and to, and, and there's this, there's a road that the, that the cancer cells take that just, they start to die. And how does that happen? Why does that happen? We, you know, we can't prove it, but you can prove it by people getting out of cancer. My dad is one of them. He had throat cancer um, last year and um, had some really deep conversations with me. And he's very, he, he was very comfortable with, um, his religion and how he felt about God and Jesus. And we were, we had these intense conversations and I think that was really healing for him. And, um, he, he was not, he had a 20% chance to live and, um, he's cancer free. And I think there's a lot of people that have gone these stories, you hear them all the time. And, um, but I think for us, homeopathy was a part of it. And, um, I would love for people to consider that as an option, you know, um, well, for today, um, Cheryl, what, so I'm, we can continue on this. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We have eight remedies at the moment. Um, two more that you would suggest, and also just maybe, uh, one thought about homeopathy that you would like to leave people with as we, as we, uh, we're on our about a last 15. Oh my gosh. Last few minutes. <laughs> okay. Um, well, if you have little humans in your life, so like, uh, babies to toddlers, I would definitely recommend having chamomilia around, um, that's made from chamomile and it, it, it helps with, um, teething. It helps with that, um, desire for something, but then throwing it down. So if you have ever raised children, you know how, um, it's called capriciousness, <laughs> but that they are like begging for something and then they throw it across the room and you're just like, Oh my gosh, why? <laughs> um, so Cam Camomelia is on that list. And then pulsatilla. I mean, I, again, especially if you have kiddos, um, pulsatilla is really great for, um, kiddos. I mean, I feel like everybody goes to a pulsatilla phase, maybe not, but <laughs> it's really great for those really like snotty noses, runny noses. Um, you know, the desire, they want to be outside that fresh air really helps them. Um, they're very like, they love to be soothed. So like maybe that little kid 
you know, if you come in and sing them a song or just like sit with them, they just, they, it makes them feel better. Like their symptoms literally disappear while they're being soothed. Um, and so pulsatilla is another one that I just suggest people have in their, in their kit. That's awesome. Good that's a good, them. that's a good 10 to start with. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so what would you, yeah, what's the one thing that you'd like people to take away about homeopathy today? Yeah. Homeopathy is gentle. It's a gentle medicine. It's safe, um, especially when taken, you know, appropriately or used in acute care. It can be very safe and it's really effective. Um, you know, like I said, sometimes, or we've given several examples, sometimes you don't find the right remedy on the first try, but when you use it, you actually get better at, at giving the right remedy at the right time. Um, and so just practicing with it and letting yourself, you know, um, use it in a way that includes trial and error and making mistakes and not holding so much accountability around that and just saying, okay, that wasn't the right remedy. Let's try a new remedy. Let me reevaluate what I'm actually seeing here. Um, yeah. Can I tell a real quick story? Of course. Yes. Okay. Um, so like I said, my pets are my best patients and <laughs> I had a cat when we moved, we moved from Florida to Colorado. So she lived in Florida where it's a pretty even temperature most of the time. Um, and we moved to Colorado and she started getting bladder infections and I went the traditional vet route, you know, we did rounds of antibiotics. They would be temporary. They would last for a little bit, but then it wouldn't be effective anymore. And she'd get another one and another one. And I had the story in my head about my cat because she was a rescue cat. I was like, she feels forsaken. She feels like she was abandoned. She feels this, she feels that. <laughs> and so I was trying to give her the remedy we just suggested, pulsatilla. Because I was like, she needs pulsatilla. She feels abandoned. She needs cuddling. She needs attention. <laughs> and yet it was not working. And I tell you, I really wanted it to work. I tried a lot to make that remedy work. <laughs> um, the summer came, she didn't have any infections. And then we moved into our new place. And as soon as we moved into our new place, which was the um, spring, and I live in Colorado, we get big temperature drops. We had a big temperature drop and she got another bladder infection. And I was like, okay, pulsatilla did not work. Do not go back to that. <laughs> Reevaluate what is actually happening. Okay, they come on when she's when we have a big temperature drop. She's easily startled. She, you know, is having all the UTI symptoms of frequent urination, blood in the urine, all these things. I went back, I reevaluated, I gave her the remedy aconite, which if we could add another remedy to the list, we should really add aconite. But you know, I already <laughs> added it. Yeah, that's okay, great. Part of the <laughs> Good. Aconite is is amazing when there is a fearful event. Um, when somebody shock, yeah. When something happens that is shocking, um, it was the primary remedy that homeopaths in New York were giving out right after 9-11. Um, it is a remedy that if somebody gets a cold chill, like a wind comes through and they get chilled and then they get sick immediately thereafter, aconite is the remedy to give them. I gave her one dose of aconite 
and her infection went away and I kept on it. So she, you know, every time the temperature dropped, I would give her a dose either preventatively or when I noticed, I was like, oh no, <laughs> and I gave her another dose. We never had to do antibiotics again. The bladder infections eventually totally went away. That was 12 years ago. Yeah, 12 years ago. And she has been infection-free since then. And like I said, I went the traditional route. I did antibiotics. They didn't help. They, it was a very temporary solution, which is fine. Temporary solutions are sometimes needed, but like I needed something that was like more sustainable. <laughs> and yeah, love you know, that. All, yeah. And so when people want to argue with me about, oh, it's placebo, you wanted it to work. I wanted that other remedy to work. I didn't want to have to deal with that for a full year. <laughs> I right. wanted that first remedy to work. I was sure it was the right remedy. I had all this belief and faith. No. It was not the right remedy. It wasn't until I gave her the right remedy that it actually worked. It was effective and it worked quickly and easily and it was um, permanent essentially. So yeah, I just, you know. <laughs> it's interesting in one of our rabbit, our rabbit holes that we could go down this, this, um, this needing to know how and needing to know why it works. And if someone even back there in the 1800s was not able to medically or I'm sorry, scientifically prove it to themselves of how it works, then obviously it doesn't work. And that's an interesting need for some humans to have to know, you know, and to be in that space. And, um, and it would be great if some people could just let it work. Why, why does there need to be just have faith? Just why does there have to be, why do you have to know the answer? If it works, then is it okay for it just to work? And the answer way back when, and sometimes right now is no, it's not okay. If I don't understand, even if it works, it's not okay. It's like a trick or it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not, it's not going to be for everybody. Or I don't know. And um, I'm sad about that, uh, that type of controlling OCD type of mentality taking out an entire, uh, type of medicine. And, um, yeah. Well, and it comes from the last hundred years of medicine because they trained. And I mean, then this isn't, I don't think this is part of the training anymore, but they trained doctors to believe that they were gods, that they understood science and medicine a hundred percent and that people shouldn't question them. So this was all part of our societal training over this last hundred years. And you know, it does take out some of the wonder and awe in science. Um, I know somebody who is literally changing science right now, but he had to take, he had yeah. to find scientists that were willing to go outside of what is common in order to change the way that we look at, he's, he's uh, studying meditation and teaches meditation. And so he had to find scientists that were willing to make scientific breakthroughs because our society dampens that um, desire to make scientific breakthroughs through, you know, grants and research and um, studies and um, and just having curiosity and questioning and you know asking new questions and uh, uh, questioning authority and things like that. Like you won't get funded, essentially you won't get funded to ask those questions and to do that research 
if it's something that, you know, the researchers don't think is valuable. And I don't know, like, is that good science? It's a good right. rabbit hole to go down. Yeah, I, <laughs> I definitely think we could talk about it, but yes. Yeah. Um, okay, well, thank yeah. you for today. Let's see, we have, uh, I'm going to put down in our notes, 10 um, homeopathic remedies that they can use. And then some, some books, I'll, I'll look up some books, you know, some good books. Oh yeah. I have some, I have some good titles for you and I'll send them to you rather than trying to speak them out on the podcast. Sorry, listeners. Cause <laughs> yeah, no I, I don't want to put my brain on the spot, try and grab those titles out of my head, but I have really great, um, easy to use, um, you know, family friendly titles that I think are just the key books that for any person using them at home should have. Okay, excellent. We'll just keep adding resources to this. And then, then would you, would you be willing to come on again and do some more about homeopathy at some point? Sure. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. So if anyone has any questions, they can post those below too, and we can come back and answer questions about it. That would be lovely. Cheryl, are there any last words for today? Just that I'm really grateful to be having these conversations. I think that, um, you know, they've been in the shadows for too long. And so I really appreciate you and your listeners for um, wanting to explore these topics in a deeper and more profound way. So thank you. Excellent. And, you know, just um, uh, since you're an expert in pregnancy, um, maybe we could even do a whole one on pregnancy and homeopathy. Yeah. People have questions. And if they do have questions, I'm going to leave, um, all your information down, but your website is yourthrivingpregnancy.com. And is there an email that I can say out loud? Where you yeah, can it's um, Cheryl at yourthrivingpregnancy.com. So Cheryl, my name, C-H-E-R-Y-L at yourthrivingpregnancy.com. People can email me directly there. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Cheryl. Thanks for coming. And I can't wait to see you next time. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I love our conversations. Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) So fun. Thank you. And uh, see you next time. Thank you for listening to Your Body Advocate with Ruth Cummings. We're so glad you've joined us today and truly believe you can live a pain-free, passion-filled life. To connect with Ruth, work with Ruth, or to grab your free ebook, go to ruthcummings.com. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. Until next time, friends, be open, include the unincluded, think outside the box, and spread love and kindness one smile at a time.